3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull in somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Drew Kramer. Maybe this market got a, a new brand of mouthwash because it keeps getting better breath. In the last few weeks, more and more groups have switched from bear market territory to bull market territory, and they've still got plenty of room to play catch-up. That's one major reason why the averages hang in there, even when we get hit with waves of bad news. Witness today's action, where we opened incredibly weak, then rebounded, ultimately dipping just 40 points. That would be actually inching up 0.06%. NASDAQ actually advancing 0.32%. Quite a difference when I was out there squawk on the street. Well, it was just a sea of red. Yep, stocks opened up terribly, but then the strong bull markets that I'm talking about, the ones that are underneath, ah. they surface, they quickly took over, and we rolled back a big chunk of the decline. Bye, bye, bye! Something I pointed out on Squawk on the Street when I was talking with David. When a rally has leaders from many different groups say it has good breath and the better breath we have, the more kissable this market is. And that's what you're actually seeing right now. So who are these leaders that I'm talking about? Well, some of them you're very familiar with because we talk about them all the time. Yes. Bull market number one, the work from home cohort which is really a cluster of smaller bull markets. you got your Zoom video and your ring centrals for video conferencing. But at the forefront of the stay-at-home division are the cybersecurity stocks because companies need to beep up their protection when they put everything on the cloud. The analysts keep fighting this theme, but they're starting to capitulate. Uh, today, Morgan Stanley threw in the bearish towel on Kramer Fave, Zscaler, and Cloudflare. Palo Alto's been a big winner. Okta, a family fave. And, and don't forget CrowdStrike. Bull market number two. Payments. Every day I feel like someone comes in and raises price target for PayPal or Square. Makes sense. In a world where nobody wants to handle cash or touch a keypad or even hold a pen, you need contactless payments like PayPal or Apple Pay. Hey, owe your friend money? Ah, PayPal's got you covered with the Venmo. Bull market number three e commerce. Kramer fave Shopify. Well, that has become the go to facilitator for small businesses that want to go online. It, If you have a friend who's in a small business, you ask them about Shopify. You'll know why I have such respect for them. Now, Etsy from Brooklyn. It's the store for creative people who make things. A memo to my kids. I love I absolutely love it when you buy me cufflinks from Etsy for Father's Day. Wix and Adobe help you show off your wares on the web. Twilio helps you connect with your customers. And of course, there's. Amazon, which is not just a huge marketplace, it's also a fabulous place to advertise, and the web services division keeps growing, even taking market share from, shh, retailers. Amazon's natural competitors. The analysts love these names and raise their price targets almost daily. I mean, yeah, I saw, I saw someone raise Amazon to think 3,000 and change yesterday. Uh, it's, it's Jackie Wilson time. It's higher and higher. Bull market number four is cooking. Yeah, and here's what I haven't been talking about. If you thought people would stop eating at home once the lockdown ended, think again, plus restaurants, they're they're barely open. Today, the largest supermarket chain in America, Kroger reported some strong numbers and told us that home cooking's still in. That's why I like McCormick, the spice and seasons maker, which reports next week. What else? Kroger's CEO, Rodney McMullen, told me that cookware's flying off the shelves. Well, that explains some of the strength in Williams-Sonoma beyond West Elm. Makes sense. Dining out's still a, a dicey proposition. And more importantly, social distancing rules mean they simply can't handle that many customers. They can handle like half of them. Bull market number five, The car! The car's making a comeback. Can you believe it? The oil industry's been in decline since I started this show, or at least for the better part of a decade. That's now changing, particularly in the used car market. Until we got a COVID v- vaccine, until we get one, mass transit's dangerous, ride sharing's risky, and according to the CDC, even carpooling's off the table. So you need a car, preferably a cheap one, to go from here to there. The obvious winners? Well, CarMax, which reports tomorrow morning, as well as Lithia Motors. Even before COVID, there was tremendous demand for used vehicles. Prices got dinged in March and April, but they bounced right back 9% last month. Please don't forget the love affair with Carvana and the newly public Vroom. Carvana is so heavily shorted, is scary. They don't understand the game. Two oddballs, Spotify, oh my, over 200. That thing is on fire. Brooklyn Zone again, how about I tell you? And then, well, at least they're, they're uh, you know, they got the... Uh, People listen to stuff in the car, you know, the pod. They love that. They love that. The, the new one just got they paid a fortune for Sirius XM. I mean, another things in the car. Hey, by the way, Sirius XM, consider this really. It's a used car play. It's been stuck at six for a long time. All right. And it's not a podcast, I know, but it's got, and it doesn't have the sports that, it, that people need, but if sports goes back, it's going to be great. Bull market number six is steel, especially auto steel. Nucor, the best of breed steel maker, has been telling us business is real good for auto steel, something Union Pacific CEO Lance Fritz mentioned, uh, confirmed to us just last night. Fritz mentioned another bull market, uh, number seven, uh, which is plastics. How to play it? I asked Frank Mitch from Fermin Research, the best chemicals analyst in the world, he told us that polyethylene producers are seeing a ton demand from overseas. Also, domestic packaging. June's looking better than May, and that's serving for Lionel Basil, Kramer Fave Dow, and Westlake. No, not the author of the chemical company. Polyvinyl chloride think PVC piping. It's doing well, too. Well, that's Westlake again. Gotta go by Westlake! Bull market number eight is housing, specifically the housing shortage. There's also a shortage of publicly traded housing plays that make sense here. Lowe's and Home Depot, sure. I prefer Stanley, Black and Decker. PPG, and Masco, not to mention Trax, and newly minted Azek if you want to remodel outside. They're all doing well. Sherwin-Williams is standing out in paint. RH is the way to decorate. Really good stuff on their website right now. Go ask my wife about RH. Oh. Obviously, the home builders work. We just got a great quarter from Lenore. I still like to hold bull market number nine. Without live sports, people are desperate for at-home entertainment and they're cutting the cord like there's no tomorrow. Easier to just, say, stream things directly from the web via Roku. We know the video game plays are on fire, especially the Activision Blizzard. And look at the new the one going higher again, Take-Two Interactive. Once they get their hooks into you, it's hard to stop. Even these companies question the staying power of this move, but... What if sports don't come back? Just today, Dr. Anthony buzzkill Fauci pointed out that we can't really have an NFL season unless everyone is involved, lives in a bubble under the dome. I saw that Stephen King. that's not happening. Please come back, football. All right. Of course, Netflix is the big winner from all this cord cutting and the analysts are tripping all over themselves to raise the price targets every day. At home entertainment also includes working out on your Peloton. Yes, it took Heather uh, 10 and a half weeks to get hers, but it finally happened. One of our producers and she took lots of pictures of it today. Maybe she'll put it on her website. She's really funny. Uh, you have to put your Lululemon clothes on when you're on your Peloton. And don't forget to walk around your Nike's Day report next week. I think it'll be great. Finally, bull, bull market number 10. You're gonna have to pry my cold, dead hands away from this. Believe me. Let's call it Clorox bull market. My pantry stocked with their salad dressing. And they don't. They they make salad dressing out of not out of this. Okay. My water's filtered with Brita because I don't like those plastic bottles anymore. When we get together around the fire pit, like I showed you the other day, we play the John. De- Play John Denver, No, don't do that. It's all about the charcoal, meaning Kingsford's. And of course, there's these coveted Clorox wipes and Clorox bleach. My wife likes the sentiva. I don't know. It all smells like Clorox to me. Uh, you want to kill COVID? <laughs> COVID is a tough fighter. This is tougher. And that's why I like it. Uh, I don't care how high this stock goes. If management announced a big expansion overseas, you'll see a lot more upside. I'll take it to 250. Plus, you know what? I love these safety initiatives with, uh, with outfits like United Air or AMC, who we'll speak to later in the show with some big news. Okay, just don't brush your teeth with it. One less honorable mention. You can say we have a bull market in trading, but I do not want to celebrate that because I don't like what I see, which is too much uninformed speculation. Bunch of stocks they ran up today. I'm not happy with this. It is not enough long-term investing going on. No homework. I am a big fan of well-thought-out speculation. Speculation when you've done the research. That's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing dollar stocks run up to 25. We are seeing crimes against what I regard as nice, ordinary people. And the SEC's got to step up. Here's the bottom line. The 10 bull markets I just mentioned will keep working as America reopens. But rampant speculation, Accident waiting to happen. Come on, SEC. Help us. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe. Booyah, Jim, and go birds. Go birds. Let's so, get a season, though, Dr. Birds. Fauci. All right. Let's hope. Yeah. So uh, outside the return of fans in stadiums and students on campus, in the healthcare and business services divisions, of Philadelphia-based Aramark help them recover. Well, you know, the service to the business, they, they did not have a, a good quarter. I know that there's guys, restless guys in that stock, but I do not like to be connected with the service, food service, with the food service business. It's not working. Let's go to Aaron in California. Aaron.
1: Booyah, Jimmy Kill. Aaron SD. What's shaking? Been watching for about 15 years and want to thank you for all you do for the working men and women. Oh, thank you. I want to... Hey, absolutely. I want to give a shout out to my daughter, Lainey, who's 13 tomorrow, and my girl, Emmy Lou. Anybody else? My question is, yeah, my question is about FTP, Sprout Social. Uh, Sprout Social has a deep reach in social media management space and has a 30% revenue growth. It seems to be very, fairly valued by analysts, even though it's been an under the radar company with current volume. So, Jim, thoughts on
3: SPT? You know what? I've got to do work on this because I've watched this thing go on, go up, and now I'm so, I'm so concerned about what's been going on with certain brokerage houses and things that are happening that I have to do a lot more work these days than other than say, you know what? I like it because some people are doing what I call running stocks. I got to be sure that that's not being run right now. SEC, take notice of these things when I talk about it. Don't just thumb your nose about what I'm talking about. Pat in California, please, Pat. We are Jim from sunny San Diego, California. I love San Diego. I just love it. <laughs> I have a question about IBM. For me, IBM conjured up visions of mainframe computers, charcoal
1: gray suits, and a declining valuation for the last eight years. However, a friend suggested
3: they take another look at IBM. I saw that now. IBM has a red hat. It's risen quickly off its March 2020 lows. They have a new CEO. Just last week, they acquired Spinugo, a c- cybersecurity right. company. And to, and to top it off, the stock has a yield of 5%. And they generate a lot of cash flow. And we know the Whitehurst is in there making money. We've had Arvind Krishna on. I think he really understands the cloud. I'm with you. But it's not a fast grower. Remember, this is not Adobe. OK, we don't have a situation. This is, this is not a crowd strike. It's not a snowflake. It's got issues. And, but it's got that dividend to keep you warm. All right. This market keeps getting better breath even as the news gets worse. The bull markets I gave you will keep on working even on bad news days. On mayor tonight, could new highs be on the horizon in the S&P 500? I'm going off the charts unemotionally to see what the technicals are signaling. Then, remember the pre-COVID memories of dinner and a movie? As America begins the slow process of reopening, I'm sitting down with the the king, the CEO of AMC, to find out the company's plans to return to normal. And VMware has spotted Three phases through the pandemic. I'm going to find out how the company plays a role in all of them. It's a Rule of 40 favorite. And stay with Kramer. Don't
4: miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to MadMoney at CNBC.com, Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cndc.com.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, unlock the energy and order yours at acura.com
0: take your business further with a smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash card.
3: For those of you who are still tearing your hair out, wondering how this market could be so resilient, despite COVID spikes all over the Sun Belt, more than 20 million Americans on unemployment. Well, let me take a new approach to explain the situation. Now, you've got the Fed chief J Powell bringing a gun to a knife fight. And now that they're purchasing corporate bonds of individual companies, they basically backstopped every large enterprise in America. If you know the Federal Reserve will buy distress, distressed debt, lending trouble companies money is a no-brainer. It's huge. I keep telling you don't fight the Fed. They have infinite firepower because they can print money. So if they really want markets to stabilize, That's what happens. Tonight, though, I want to come at this from a different angle, which is why we're going off the charts with help of Carly Garner, the author of Higher Probability Commodity Trading. You want to know uh, why you don't want to fight the Fed? Because based on the technicals, Garner thinks the S&P 500. You ready? could be headed for new all-time highs. All right, now, that sounds crazy to you, remember, the stock market does not reflect the broader economy. It reflects the biggest companies out there. And big companies are the ones that can get bailed out by the Fed on a case-by-case basis. Just the idea of that backstop is worth a great deal. The bond market's bigger than the stock market. It's arguably smarter than the stock market, particularly to these days. And thanks to J-PAL, it's saying, don't worry, be happy. So where does Garner get this bold prediction? Check out the daily chart of the S&P 500 e-mini futures. Right Last week, the S&P broke down, pulling back to the 3,000 level. All right. This is a breakdown, uh, which turned out to be a significant floor of support. That floor held and the index came roaring back. Because the floor held, Garner's betting the bulls will be in control going forward. What's that mean? Simple. So as long as the S&P can stay above the 3,000 line, She thinks that that opens the door for a retest of the all-time highs near 3,400. The next ceiling resistance is around 3,250. If we can clear that hurdle, Garner thinks it's it's smooth sailing to that high. When you look at the relative strength index, which is down here, the RSI, um, it tells a different, it tells a very similar story that can make this thing work. It's this is the RSI itself is an important momentum indicator. It's pointed higher, and crucially. It's still in the middle of the range, meaning the market's not yet overbought. That's important. That tells Garner we can still have still more room to run. If it was up here, then we'd be a lot more worried. What if you zoom out to the monthly chart of the S&P 500 e-mini futures? OK, uh, you can see that the, the actions created a kind of expanding wedge. That's a very, very bullish pattern. Now, before the pandemic hit, we had irrational exuberance that took us to new highs. Then COVID came along and the S&P crashed because we were in the grips of an irrational, well, let's just say, a a, a fear that was justifiable. But when it came to the stock market, maybe not. Now, though, the fear is gone. The market spent months snapping back and Garner thinks this momentum could carry us back into irrational exuberance territory. If we head back to the high end of the wedge, she's betting the S&P could make new highs around 3500 which aligns with what we saw on the daily chart. Plus the RSI. Again, mid-range, all right, meaning we aren't overbought on the monthly chart either. Could the S&P 500 really make new highs when we're dealing with a resurgent pandemic and a recession with double-digit unemployment? I know it flies in the face of common sense of everything that you hear, but the charts, which have no emotion, as interpreted by Carly Garner, say that that's the most likely scenario. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. When bearish money managers throw in the towel after realizing they can't fight the Fed or the tape, that's like rocket fuel for the averages. And days like today are interludes that let you get on the rocket. The bottom line: the chart suggests that new highs could be on the table. I think Gardner makes a persuasive case. Just don't get too comfortable. The SP 500 really does surge to 3,400, up 9.1 percent from these levels. It maybe take something off the table. Now, we got so much more mad money ahead. Uh, The phrase going to the movies has changed since COVID-19 took hold. But I'm asking AMC CEO how the company plans to return to the new normal. And it's been called the best kept secret in IT. But our investors finally appreciating VMware's growth potential. And nearly 100 years ago, the repeal of Prohibition helped fund the Great New Deal, helping the U.S. out of the Great Depression. Is cannabis-like legalization the key to an economic recovery this time around? I'm talking with the CEO, well, let's just say, of a consumer packaged goods company who seems to think so. Stay with Kramer.
4: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle.
0: At indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
3: What do you do with a company that hasn't been able to operate for months? A company that's still shut down, even as most of America's open for business. A lot of traders would tell you the answer is simple. Well, You buy it stock. Take AMC Entertainment, the movie theater chain that saw its share sink to two. That's right, under two bucks when COVID first hit, and Wall Street assumed the whole industry was roadkill. Cool. But AMC's resilient. It is able to raise $500 million to the bond market in April, and earlier this month, they announced their plans to restructure their existing debt, vastly improving their odds for survival. And that's how the stock's been able to rally nearly 190 percent from its lows. Then today, after the market closed, we learned that AMC's going to begin reopening its U.S. theaters on July 15th. Of course, they're not out of the woods yet. It's not enough to reopen. They also need customers. They need new movies. They need to pay rent. We know social distancing is going to hurt. Plus, the Wall Street Journal just reported they're getting pushback from bondholders in the debt restructuring plan. Still, the company's clearly in better shape than it was a few months ago. Is it 190% better, though? Well, why don't we take a look with a seasoned hand and a man who understands pressure? It's Adam Aaron. He's the president and CEO of AMC Entertainment. We'll more about how his company's holding up and how they can reopen safely. Mr. Aaron, welcome back to Bad Money.
5: Jim, it is great to be with you, as always.
3: Well, Adam, I've missed you, and I knew when you became the head of this company that you would survive, but give me the roadmap of what has to happen, because I know you got rent to pay, you got bondholders who are angry, you got parent company of our network not happy with you because they uh, started a movie on <laughs> mine, you got a lot of, uh, let's say, heated enemies and, let's say, uh well, opponents. How are you going to deal with them all?
5: So, Jim, um, AMC is the largest movie theater chain in the world, about $5.5 billion of annual revenues. We're the largest exhibitor in the U.S., we're the largest exhibitor in Europe and the Middle East, the largest exhibitor globally. Everything was just fine until mid-March of this year when we quickly realized we were going to have to shut down every theater that we operate, 1,000 theaters in 15 countries. Uh, we've been shut for three months now. Uh, Today is a very exciting day for us, though, because we have announced that we're going to open essentially 90 percent of our U.S. theaters on July 15 in time for two big movies that are coming, being released by uh, Disney and Warner Brothers, Mulan and Tenet. So the next day, it just so happens AMC is 100 years old. This is our 100th anniversary, a pretty lousy anniversary year. But the next 100 years starts now. Uh, and we're very confident that with what we announced today, we're going to open our theaters well, cleanly, safely. That will get customers coming back. That will lower the cash burn that is considerable because right. we're essentially in a zero revenue case now. Uh, and uh, we've got a pretty able team here at AMC. I believe in my heart of hearts we're going to fight our way through this crisis. But as you say... There's a lot on our plate to get that. All
3: right. So let's go over this. How many people can you first have in? You've got this great deal with Clorox. Clorox doesn't lend its name out. I've been going back and forth with them. I think it's a very smart deal in order to make people feel uh, that it's clean. But you also have social distance, so you can't pack the house. And you have outfits like e- uh, EPR, which I like, that need the money from you. And you've got bondholders. How does this settle out? Give me the road map.
5: All the above. So, look, um, as you said in your intro, we raised $500 million back in mid-April. There was a lot of press that we might uh, have to go into bankruptcy court the way other really wonderful companies like Neiman Marcus and Hertz have done already. But we raised a half a billion dollars. At the end of April, we had $718 million of cash. That's plenty of cash. We could stay closed all thousand of our theaters all the way through the end of November uh, before we'd run out of cash. But of course, uh, we've already started opening up. We've opened up in five countries in Europe already. Uh, We're going to open up in the UK on July 4, we think. We just announced we're opening up July 15 here in the States. That's the easiest way we start to make progress here. Once the theaters are open, We'll start generating cash rather than burning through cash. So that's the first thing. You've got to
3: leave spaces, rows, rows that are empty. What are you
5: going to do? So, uh, you know, uh, movie theaters are not like sports teams where they sell out every seat in every stadium, every game. They're not like airlines that fill 80 percent of their seats. The amazing we're more like a church that's built for Easter Sunday. Actually, as the largest exhibitor in the world, selling more tickets than anybody else, we only filled 17%. That's one oh. seven. 17% of our seats in calendar 2019. So if we have a uh, 30% or 40% or 50% seat limitation, as we envision in the early weeks coming out of this thing, that's still more seats than we actually sell. Uh, it might cost a little money on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. But in the grand scheme of things, we can handle the seat limitations just fine.
3: Well, do you want to really be in a fight with uh, Universal? I mean, can't you solve that? Can no. we, like, can't we broker that right now? I mean, I know you for a long time.
5: Uh, no, I don't want to be in a fight with Universal. Uh, my company has been showing Universal movies for decades and decades, uh, happily and profitably. Uh, we sell more tickets for Universal than anybody else in the world. Um, Universal changed the status quo, and uh, we didn't care that they took Trolls to the home when we were closed, but they've announced that they want to take all the movies to the home. Uh, We've obviously didn't like that because that would affect our profitability dramatically. Uh, uh, We've begun a dialogue with, with Universal. Whether you broker a deal or we broker a deal directly with Universal or with NBC Universal, look, our hope is then we show Universal movies and sell a lot of tickets for Universal going forward. We are going to need a different business relationship because what they want to do, taking movies to the home and theaters at the same time, will take a lot of money out of our pocket. But, Adam, it no is true. It is true that it's not so bad to watch movies at home
3: now. I mean, I'm struggling. I happen to love to go to the movie theater. My wife says, you know what, Jim, let's just Netflix, 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 because she doesn't want someone coughing on her.
5: Well, look, I understand that, and I have two things to tell you. First, that's why we announced this uh, broad, sweeping initiative today called AMC Safe and Clean, partnered with Clorox, as you said, but also we've gotten uh, current and former faculty of nothing less than the Harvard University School of Public Health. We're consulting scientists and experts. We have a comprehensive array of cleaning protocols, and we're not just relying on social distancing. Or seat capacity limitations, or even intensified cleanings. We're investing millions and millions of dollars in high-tech solutions to sanitizing, disinfecting, and cleaning our theaters. Things like electrostatic sprayers, HEPA filters, heavy vacuums, uh, uh, MERV thirteen grade uh, air ventilation filters. Uh, our theaters are—we're going to do everything we humanly can to make sure that your wife feels safe in an AMC theater. No. The other thing I would tell you is I don't know about you, but everybody I know is so sick and tired of being cooped up and trapped in their apartments and their homes the last three months. I think the new world order is people are going to want to get out of the house and people are going to return to some kind of semblance of normalcy. You know, last year going to a movie theater, a ticket was sold to movie theaters in the U.S. a billion times last year. That's seven times all professional sports combined. All four leagues, all teams, all games, seven times that combined. We're the second most popular out home experience, second only to going out to eat at a restaurant. That's why AMC is a bright future. That's why I believe we'll make it through the corona. Uh, We'll get our low comfort base back into our theaters. We'll make some smiles happen. And this very bad four months that we've lived through hopefully goes away as we look ahead. As you said, our stock has almost tripled since April 13th. Well, I've been
3: following your career for many, many years. It's always been a mistake to bet against Adam Aaron. I think it'll be a mistake again. Adam Aaron, president and CEO of AMC Entertainment. Great to see you, sir.
5: Thank you, Jim. You're the best. All right. Best of luck to you, too.
3: May have money. We'll be back after the break. At this point, many of the cloud-based software stocks have roared to nosebleed levels that, frankly, feel increasingly hard to, unju- to justify. I- I'm struggling. But what about a cloud play that hasn't run as much? Consider VMware, the leading maker of virtualization software, the very thing that makes the cloud possible but then you run multiple virtual machines on a single physical server. And they've also got a big cloud onboarding business. Think AWS. VMware is the rare cloud play that's arguably a value stock trading just 20 times next year's earnings estimates. That's right. I think it's a steal, considering that the company shot the lights out when it reported at the end of May. The stock surged from 142 to 156 the next day. Since then, it's pulled back all the way to 143. That means you're getting that quarter almost for free. It's a gift. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Sanjay Poonin. He's VMware's chief operating officer for customer operations. Find out how the company delivered these blowout, knockout numbers and get a clearer picture of where it's headed. Mr. Poonin, welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Jim, what a pleasure to be with you. I want you to know I was going stir crazy sitting at home with Zoom, but... I came into your satellite studio here with this mask that says we love mad money. Always great to talk to you.
3: (laughs) Well, you're in, Jen, and you know we love you because we did a piece called The Rule of 40, where we put everything through a prism. It's a prism that allows us to figure out what we can get for great growth that's profitable. And you're at the top. How are you able to accomplish that?
6: Well, we had a good quarter, and I want to thank all of our customers, our partners, and the valiant VMware employees for what they did. Yes, Rule of 40, when you talked about it, growth, we had 12% growth, and operating margins, around 29%. You put those together, Rule of 40, we're grateful. And I think in that list, we were not just one of the top, but also one of the most profitable. What we've sought to do is really pivot the company, not just from the license to subscription and SaaS revenue. And that's gone from single digits a few years ago to 21% of our revenue. And that's an indication of us becoming an indispensable path off the path to the cloud. And you talked about this in the context of our AWS partnership. The other part that was very important for us in Q1 was as people worked from home, we were in Mm -hmm. that sort of response part of the economy. We're now moving to reopen and possibly down the road to reinvent our work from home solutions driven by Workspace ONE, Carbon Black and VeloCloud did very well in the quarter.
3: Now, uh, there was a terrific speech. Uh, Patrick Gelsky, the uh, CEO, your CEO, uh, gave a great, uh, trans- great uh, talk at the Merrill Lynch Global Technology Conference. And he talked about the two acquisitions. He said gar- carbon black, it was hand in glove. It was absolutely perfect. But he did talk about how you did a deal called Pivotal, and that required a- taking on a good amount of risk, but it's worked. Tell us about that one. Yeah, that's
6: actually been very helpful to us as you think about app developers. They're all doing things with these container, and we talked about containers in a previous show. Think of them yes. as like these containers on ships. You're able to build apps much faster in a container platform. VMware has been the ship, that's the virtual machine. We're now also the best enterprise container platform. So people are looking to develop apps much faster. Banks, we even helped the NHS in building their contact tracing app. So a number of these apps need to be done much faster. Enter Pivotal. We've now branded that whole portfolio Tanzu, which is the Japanese word for containers. And every one of our customers now is asking us about containers and app development. We've made that our number one priority, Jim, because everyone now is looking to build cloud native modern apps. And the best uh, solution in town is VMware Tanzu.
3: Now, has it helped you to sell VMware Tanzu because of your close relationship with another company that had a fantastic quarter, Dell? Dell.
6: Absolutely. Dell is our one of our top partners, certainly in the private cloud, as customers build their hyper-converged infrastructure uh, and VMware Cloud Foundation. On top of all of that, you need VMware Tanzu. Uh, and we're seeing many customers sort of consolidate on that Dell hyper-converged infrastructure. It's called v- VxRail with VMware Cloud Foundation for a software-defined data center, and then put Tanzu on top of that. This is now hundreds of customers, and we're seeing good momentum there. But you can also apply that to what we call as a mission control in a multi-cloud, because you might be running in one place on Dell hardware, in the other place on Amazon or Azure and Google, and VMware brings this sort of mission control cockpit, if you would, for all of your Tanzu Kubernetes containers in a multi-cloud environment. Both of those are game changers, Jim.
3: I do feel that, uh, and this is, some of this is my fault, Sanjay, I have not uh, I've talked about you enough enough about as a cybersecurity company. I've spent a ton of time talking about Zscaler, Palo Alto Networks I talk a lot about, uh, but VMware should be in the conversation.
6: Well, Jim, we were very fortunate. One of the leading analysts called us one of the best-kept secrets in IT. You can Google and find that article. We announced at the end of our Q3 earnings call Last year. We have a billion-dollar security business. So out of our $10.8 billion last year, a billion in security and growing. So we are one of those best-kept secrets. In very simple terms, though companies you named are very good companies. But think of us as sort of Palo Alto and CrowdStrike in one company. The network security people like Palo Alto do well, CrowdStrike and the endpoint security. But the network guys don't understand the endpoint. The endpoint right. folks don't understand the network. We come in, we're the best in both areas. Cloud security companies like Zscaler partners with us. The network, the endpoint, the cloud are the three areas of innovation and security. VMware is going to be investing very heavily in this area. We've done three acquisitions in the last seven months in security. Carbon Black, Octarine for container security, and we announced our intent to acquire last line in network detection and response. So we are here, and we're going to go work with customers. I set myself a goal this year, Jim, to talk to 1,000 CISOs. I can (laughs) tell you proudly it's gotten a little easier with Zoom. I'm doing 25, 30-minute calls with a lot of them. And I hope to talk to a lot of them and they will all tell you that VMware is on the move in the security space. Well,
3: I, I have to end on a tougher note. There are two things that are going on that are wrong in this country right now. One is COVID. And I know that you've got your arms around that. And the other is, frankly, uh, social injustice. Uh, and I wish you'd speak to both of them, uh, what your company's doing about COVID and what you're doing about social injustice.
6: Well, the first one we've been, you know, think about the response, reopen, reinvent. We think those are the three phases. We're getting past the, re- this is the fact that I could come in here and talk to you over studio in the reopen stage gradually. And we're going to help customers right. not just with work from home, but work anywhere. And we really continue to wish our employees and our customers and partners great health. Until the vaccine comes, I think it's going to be a different era with maybe only 25% of our workforce in the U.S. wanting to come home. In the Asian countries, it's a little higher. The other one's a much more serious pandemic. Both are important, but this one's really sad. I'm a person of color and it was so heartbreaking to see the George Floyd incident and Ahmaud Arbery and and, uh, Breonna Taylor. This country has got to change and we've got to do our part in the tech community to renounce racism, uh, discrimination, prejudice of all kinds. We were vocal about that. We want to see change. There has to be change starting in tech. We need to hire more underrepresented minorities. We need to put them in leadership positions, offer more scholarships and internships. I like Brian Stevenson's phrase. He is the star in this new movie, Just Mercy, which I encourage people to watch. He basically says, You've got to act justly, okay? You've got to love mercy, and you've got to walk humbly. It's a famous verse. And that's how we like to live. And the walk humbly part needs to start with the tech community doing a lot more to show by substance that we care about renouncing racism uh, and discrimination of all kinds and standing up, if there's one word, for justice.
3: All right, Sanjay, I know you will stand up for justice, and you are a stand-up person. I do miss you. I thank you for that mask, and I thank you for everything you do for many people, including make, make people listen to beautiful music and have fun and smile. Ne- thank you so much, Sanjay Putin, COO of VMware. Good to see you, sir. Always good to see it. It's the least expensive stock in the group. We proved that last week with the numbers. Now you've heard the story. I want you to stick with Kramer. And of course, stick with CNBC because my buddy Scott Wapner of the Redskins fan fame, they may not play this year, even though the Eagles will, and see what he has tonight.
4: Tonight at 7 p.m., the coronavirus is reshaping American cities. The latest way, rents. Plus, cases are spiking in California. What it means for the reopening of the nation's largest economy. And the Georgia teen running a PPE business. And winning government contracts. All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner.
3: It is time! It's time for the around round. What's up, bro? One up, bro? What's up, bro? What's up, and then the lightning round rounds over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? come to the light round. Kids, round round. i with Lass in Virginia. Lass. Hey Jim, good to talk to you again. About a month ago, I saw your interview with the CEO. I liked the looks of the stock, so I bought some. During that four four week period, it stayed it stayed totally flat. Hasn't done a thing. And I'm wondering if I should put that money to better use someplace
5: else. Uh, the stock I'm talking about is uh, Upwork.
3: No, we in that heat and brown. No. Online recruitment, thats you've you got to be a little patient. I like that stuff. No don't need to trade out of that bad boy. Let's go to Carlos in, in Florida. Carlos. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Joe, wanted to know your thoughts on GE. I... GE is in a, uh, a restructuring mode. It is probably not going to have anything really good to say, I think, until late 2021. A patient person might be able to hold it for then. Uh, I do grow impatient, but if you're patient, you can be paid off. Let's go to John in Pennsylvania. John.
5: Hey, Jim. Hey, dude, uh, With everybody getting out of the mass transit and the used car markets red hot, uh, somebody has to work on these cars. Would it be a good idea to invest a little bit of money into uh, Goodyear Tire?
3: I'd rather see you in AutoZone, frankly. I mean, if you're going to go that way, go AutoZone. I like your thinking, though. I think that Goodyear Tire has been such a dog for so long. <laughs> I- I'm just biased. Let's go to Dave in Tennessee. Dave. Booyah, Jimmy Kill. Yo, what's happening? Shout out. Shout out to Fossil Co. Investment Group. is
1: my buddy. We listen to Kramer, and we make money. Jim, I want to know about Pustar
3: Group. Oh, man. I, you know, it, it, why can't you just be in Zillow? I mean, Zillow's good now. Zillow's got a strategy, real estate. I'm not kidding. Zillow's good. I'm not kidding. Zillow got good. I know they had to do a little change of management there, but ZG's my my game plan. Let's go to James in New York. James.
1: Jim, how you doing? I
3: appreciate your show. I appreciate you. I just had a quick question. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Serious. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm curious about U.S. auto parts. Should I hold or should I buy more? This thing is up too much. It's up 300%. It's another one that might be being run by groups of investors. Well, no, groups of speculators. I have to do work on it. Remember, when I say run, what I say is there's a stock that was down here doing nothing, and then boom, they took it up. When I say they, that means a group of investors. Again, you could call them just traders, and they got things too excited. So I've got to do more work on that. I can't just say it's fine. How about Anthony Merlin? Anthony!
1: Booyah, Jim Kramer. This man. Booyah. I'm a big fan of this show.
3: A uh, quick question on Goldman Sachs. Well, you know, I actually like what Solomon's doing. It's trading around book value. I think it's got upside. My Chapel Trust owns it. We were going to buy some more at one didn't get there. I think you hold on to it. And that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round!
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by T.D. Ameritrade.
3: Of all the industries that benefit from the new normal, one took me by surprise. It was cannabis. Then Canada legalized weed two years ago, and vast swaths of the United States followed suit. The pot stocks caught fire. But then the industry started hitting obstacles, regulatory hurdles, too much supply, not enough demand, which is why most of these stocks just got eviscerated last year. Now, though, People are stuck at home, and it's breathing new life into this business. And some cannabis plays now resemble true packaged goods companies, but with total vertical integration. Take Green Thumb Industries, the Illinois-based cannabis retailer consumer packaged goods company that operates in 12 states. Of course, the stock trades in Canada because marijuana is still illegal at the federal level. We know Green Thumb's in good shape because a month ago, they reported a phenomenal first quarter with 267% revenue growth, and unlike the rest of the industry, they're right on the verge of turning a profit. They You've got a point if you look at EBITDA. Plus, legalization keeps getting more traction in the United States. No wonder the stock's more than doubled from its March lows. But can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Ben Kovler. He's the founder and chairman and CEO of Green Thumb Industries. To get a better read on how this company's doing, where it's headed, Mr. Kovler, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Ben, last time I saw you, kind of fledgling company two years ago, you just had a $100 million quarter. I think that's extraordinary. How'd you do it?
1: Uh, Thanks, Jim. It's great to be back. Yeah, the business has really inflected since two years ago. Uh, We've been focused really on three things. I think first is the people. We think we have the best people in the cannabis business. It's the best team. 1,800 strong, especially those out on the front lines. And you mentioned what's going on with COVID and the essential worker status. So thankful to the team. It's really been our strategy and our focus the whole time. Consistent play, like you mentioned, on branded consumer products made with cannabis as well as people-first retail experiences. Nothing has changed from the Prohibition 2.0 and history rhymes that I talked about with you two years ago. Uh, and finally, it's thinking and acting like owners. Uh, we watch the cash very carefully. Uh, we invest the money like it's our own because, in fact, management are large owners. And if we step back, like you mentioned, put all that together, and that's translated to a $100 million quarter, $25 million plus of free cash flow positive. And we believe it's very early,
3: for U.S. cannabis. I've had a bunch of, of uh, cannabis companies on, uh, including one last week. Everybody's telling me, hey, listen, there's way too much supply and not enough demand. I am seeing the exact opposite with your company.
1: That's totally correct, Jim. You've got to ask the question, which market? And it's the U.S. versus Canada. That's the fundamental first question. And the second question is, which state? And I'm here to say that east of the Mississippi, there is a shortage of cannabis flour. And Green Thumb is well positioned in each of those states that are medical uh, on their way to transition to adult use.
3: You have an unbelievable board of directors with diverse backgrounds, and I immediately spotted someone I been, am so impressed with. we interview many times and I've met many times. Wes Moore, he's the chief executive officer of Robin Hood, New York City's largest poverty fighting organization. How does he help out Green Thumb?
1: Well, look, the whole cannabis industry, we cannot be blind to the fact that we're building an industry on top of something that has been f- still federally illegal, but has put people in jail and has victimized many through the war on drugs. And so Green Thumb has been a leader in how to take advantage of social equity, enable opportunity. So let's take Illinois. We've done a lot of educational programs and we've worked with Wes and Wes is awesome to understand the communities, to understand how to communicate. So we've educated people through our LEAP program in order to enable opportunity for a whole new set of licenses that are coming out in Illinois. And as soon as those licenses come out, we will shift to incubate, enable opportunity for new entrants into the market in order to ensure success. This is a massive pie. There are going to be many, many, many winners. Illinois alone is a $3 billion market on its own, and so we're super excited about the new entrants into the
3: market. What people have to understand, when I say vertically integrated, that means you have a superior product, you grow it, you you have not overgrown it, but you also have stores. Uh, Tell us about the stores, because the same store sales numbers are incredible.
1: Uh, I agree. We have 46 open stores today. Last quarter, we reported over 75% same-store sales. And fundamental to this whole thing is a tidal wave of demand for the product. So our RISE retail concept, uh, which caters to the people, education, offers the product. We think it's just the beginning, both of our fleet and of maturity of the boxes. But compared to traditional retail, the unit economics are staggering. Uh, And really, it's just the beginning.
3: All right. Don't go into that, because when people hear that, they'll say, well, listen, Kroger just reported big commercial retailer, very thin margins. I don't know that may not be good business. We know a lot of other retailers are not doing that well. What do you have that everybody wants? Well, we have a
1: product in which there is a huge amount of demand and limited supply. So, just the four-wall unit economics, we can see greater than thirty percent EBITDA margins from the walls. We see fifty percent-ish gross margins, and it's not that expensive to build. And it's ramping incredibly high. Why? Because people want access to well-being. Our stores and our product enables well-being. America is at a time of stress right now. There is a massive amount of uncertainty. Our product and cannabis can offer relief. To people and that's what we're seeing that is why they're lining up socially distanced lining up but that is why they are coming to the stores and the demand has done only one thing which is go up and to the right
3: one next question i i think people have to understand this if i went to one would i see a brink's truck pull up every couple of hours because you're still a cash business uh, there is cashless atm
1: transactions uh, the facilities are very secure we have armored vehicles taking the the cash away similar to a casino or something like that but these are very safe facilities uh, and we welcome you we
3: welcome anybody uh, to come to our facilities where it's legal. You know, Ben, they said my friend Bill Groover is on your board. At full disclosure, one of my oldest friends and my former boss at Goldman told me that you guys would do it. I never bet against Bill and I'm not betting against Ben Kovler either. Ben Kovler chairman CEO of Green Thumb Industries. Really great to see you. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. Great to see you. That's traded in Canada. Mad Money's back in for free. If you have a hunch about a stock, you can go online, you can listen to the conference call, you can look at four quarters, you can read analyst reports, you make an informed decision, and then if the stock goes down a little, you can buy more. But if you're just part of some sort of mob where you're running a stock and doing stuff you don't know, you're going to lose money. I promise you. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you next time.